Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Jen with one N. And today we have a new wave album showdown. Two records that were released 40 years ago this month. It's our tribute to Dare by the Human League and Speak and Spell by Depeche Mode. When I'm with you, baby, I go out of my head. Hey everybody, by now you know the podcast is a longtime partner with the 80s cruise. And though the 2022 voyage sold out months ago, a bunch of cabins recently opened up, so you have another shot at coming along with us. Uh, if you haven't heard, the trip is in March 2022. It's on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. It's a seven-day cruise to the Caribbean, just like just like the kind mom and pop take. Uh, the lineup, though, that's what really makes it special. This time it'll have the Human League, ABC, Berlin, 38 Special, Belinda Carlisle, More Stay in the Time, Modern English, Dire Straits Legacy, Flock of Seagulls, John Parr, and I'm not kidding, like 10 more bands. 50 performances uh, in total. It's it's insane. Okay, the insane? Insane? Crazy? Uh, also, hosted by the MTV VJs, Alan Hunter, Mark Goodman, Nina Blackwood. They're amazing, and they'll be like your BFFs all week. Brad and I will be there, too. That's right! We'll be hosting trivia sessions, judging costume contests, which is always, always... My favorite night. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And we'll do some recording of uh, some live podcasts. And now you can come too and even get a $200 cabin credit when you book with the promo code STUCK. Find out more at www.the80scruise.com. Hey, Jen with one N is here. She's been on the cruise. I've been on the cruise twice. And it's funny, as you were saying, the MTV VJs, the memory that instantly popped into my mind was singing My Sharona at karaoke and then dancing with alan hunter at the um at the guitar break so it's an amazing time guys <laughs> if you ha- really if you haven't if you haven't booked a room and you and uh you're thinking about it now's the time now is yeah. the time i saw on facebook the other day that princess now is doing like this 80s cruise but it's it's like five cover bands that's all it is. Oh. And people are all like, oh, this is so exciting. And so I posted in there something. Well, how about check out the real 80s cruise? And I posted a link. And people, all these little gobsmacked little reactions you know, from people who hadn't heard of it yet. Wow. If you, if you listen to SiriusXM 80s on 8, I think they still promote the cruise there too. But it, it sold out like a year ago. And then, you know, COVID... And so time passes. Now, there is a vaccine mandate to come on the cruise, and that's why there's the opportunity for these free cabins that have opened up. But it's still going to be amazing. I've, we've ta- I've talked to so many of the bands that are coming on it, and a lot of them, it's their first cruise, and so they're, they're super excited as well. So it's, I can't believe it's only, what, five months away now? Yeah, that's not a lot of time to plan your outfits, people. So you need to get on it. I'm thinking too, like Modern English, they were on the first ever 80s cruise and they came and did um, a, a trivia session 
with stuck in the eighties. And that was super fun. And then later on, they were like dancing at the club all the time. So you really do get to get, you know, chummy with these folks. Yeah. They're there. I mean, they're standing right in line with you, whatever you do, they're doing it with you. It's fun. Um, so today back to the future or back to the present. No, no. Uh, Let's get stuck. I'm, I'm about had it with this year. I'm ha- so happy to be stuck in the 80s again for a couple yeah. of minutes anyway. <laughs> it really does. I, last night, we, uh, me and future wife were here. I'm in New York right now. And we were watching. We, She just got a new Roku um, stick for her thing. And so there's a bunch of flashback 80s channels where you can do, just do nothing but watch 80s videos all night long. Ooh. And we we sadly were, not sadly, happily. Joyfully. <laughs> joyfully watching these videos for hours and hours and i just it really did feel like an escape a much much needed escape oh bitch is this in 3d no but your face is so october 1981 40 years ago um young spearsy at this point is 14 years old how old would you have been jen gosh i guess i would have been uh like eight Eight or nine, yeah. So, interesting time in music, especially for the people making New Wave. Now, there's a lot of albums that came out this month that we could salute, but Jen and I kind of zeroed in on these two, which were really breakthrough albums for these bands. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to hear a lot of drum machines today. Yay! A lot of of synthesizers, a lot of electronics. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're each going to represent just one album from that month. We'll, we'll play you a few songs, some obvious hits and some deep cuts. And uh, there are no winners. There are no losers. Just lots of good music. Ready to get started? Let's do it. Uh, my album is The Human League, Dare. Don't, don't you want me? This song is kind of stuck in your brain, isn't it? Yeah, my my daughter is eleven and she knows all the words, and she knows really? all the like po- postures too, like when di- when she takes on the different characters. <laughs> you know, the, the sad thing about this song is back in like the mid '80s when there was dance clubs in Tampa Bay that you could go to that were teens only. Um, this song would always be played, and this was the one song that I chose to try to dance to because <gasps> I always thought. If you're gonna if you're gonna cozy up to a girl, I mean, who wouldn't want to have this song lip sync to them? And so that was my my shtick. Was that like, was your move. <laughs> don't don't you want me? I had no idea that the song is really, you know, it, I mean, it's it ends up being love gone bad, and and I should have known it. It should have been a harbinger of 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 how things would go for me for the next few decades. Yeah, you don't know that when you're a teen, though. You know it later on, like when yeah. you're in your 20s or maybe even 30s. <laughs> yeah, after after love has gone wrong a couple dozen times. Exactly. Uh, Dare was the th- band's third studio album, and it was released in October 81 in the UK. It didn't come out in the US until the middle of 82. But it's the one album that 
gives them the sound that they're known for today. Right prior to this album being recorded, founding members Martin Ware and Ian Craig Marsh left. They would go on and form Heaven 17. So that leaves Phil Oakey. He brings uh, two dancers on board, (laughs) two women he saw at a club who ended up being their background singers. So this is the first album where you see the classic lineup. And weird fact about this album, uh, legend has it that uh, the uh, legendary music critic Lester Bangs died of an accidental drug overdose while listening to this album. Oh, my God. I know. It's kind of a weird thing to carry around with you if you're Philip Hokia and the rest of the gang. Yeah, it's troubling. Um, Pitchfork did like a retrospective review of it last year, and they said, Dare isn't remembered for the darkness that engulfs its middle, but for the frozen glow of its singles, which uh, presaged the dawning of a new era in pop music, one where synthesizers and drum machines processed the flutter and ache of crushes, romance, and heartbreak. Aw. Yeah, that's good writing. I have to say that's true. And I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't just describe Dare as that, right? Like you you were saying that these are the, these two albums are are really set the sound for these two bands, but also for this, um, this kind of music, right? Like it really sure. lays out a nice template for, for new wave. But, well, tell us, tell us about your album. Cause I think it's, it's, it's similar in so many ways. Yeah. So the album that I have is called speak and spell by Depeche Mode. We walk together. have a bit of a Depeche Mode confession slash caveat to make here. Um, So I mentioned I was eight years old when Speak and Spell came out. I like Depeche Mode. I would, I love many of their songs, but I know that there are Depeche Mode like fans, hardcore fans out there that know so much more about the band. And so my introduction to Depeche Mode was the, one of the best um, compilation albums ever catching up with Depeche Mode, which my best friend in sixth grade, her big sister, Liz, who was in high school, introduced me to. And I listened to catching up like every day, like five times a day or something like that. So that's where my first, you know, introduction to Depeche Mode came. And there are a couple of songs on Speak and Spell that were on catching up. And then also like later on in high school, their live album, 101. Do you remember that album, Steve? Oh, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, I mean, I think you were kind of everybody was issued that album like by law. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, just I wanted to put that out there that I'm not, that I'm no expert on Depeche Mode, but I'm a, I am a fan. Um, I did get some great reward in 1984 because I was a little older then and I could choose albums from Tower Records or whatever. Um, so I do, you know, still love Depeche Mode. And I did sing somebody to my daughter as a lullaby as she grew up. So I, I have my tiny little Depeche Mode credentials. <laughs> She's anyway. going to be such an amazing adult when she grows up, given all, all the work you've done. with Yeah, her. absolutely. Um, so back to Speak and Spell. This was Depeche Mode's debut album. It peaked at number 10 in the UK. Um, and probably uh, Depeche Mode fans know this, but it was the only Depeche Mode album with Vince Clark as a member. He co-founded the band. He actually wrote most of the songs for the band. And then he left, kind of like your story with Human League, he left to form Yaz or Yazoo. Um, with Alison Moyer, and then later on he formed Erasure with Andy Bell. So 
Vince Clark was huge, obviously, in forming what would become New Wave, but he started here with Depeche Mode. So, oh, I have to tell you this. This was interesting. So this is a rumor. I don't know. Maybe someone can write in and tell me if they have any evidence for this or if it's just apocryphal. But one of the reasons that Vince Clark left Depeche Mode was because of a disagreement over his song, Only You. You know that song, right? It's such a beautiful, it's one of my favorite like romantic songs. So evidently the other people in the band didn't want to record it. And that's why he left. I I bet that's pretty more commonplace than we think. Yeah, it's it's I mean, so funny that 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 would be the song that would put them over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, every album that we research, I remember there's always one song that ends up being a huge hit that the band never even wanted released as a single. Right. And uh, you know, Human League's no different in that respect. I believe there's a song on this album that they didn't want released. It might have been "Don't You Want Me." Come to think of it, huh. Yeah. So, um, so Speak and Spell received pretty positive reception. Um, and I'm going to read some quotes from, from um, English writers, but Paul Morley of the New, New Musical Express described the album as, quote, generous, silly, susceptible, electro-tickled pop. Electro-tickled pop. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then Rob White, um, who wrote for, was writing for the Christchurch Press, called the music, quote, instant pop instantly disposable and he sort of dismissed the album as tedious which i have to say i kind of get it i don't i wouldn't describe it as tedious but it is repetitive but i kind of think repetitive is what makes it work so here's an example the song that probably is the most popular song on the album is just can't get enough and this song made the top 10 in the uk and P.S. was one of my favorite songs on Catching Up <laughs> and probably their entire catalog, actually. I would put this in my top three Depeche Mode songs. It's weird. I think when you look at their, I mean, Depeche Mode still tours pretty regularly now and their, their set list usually leans way more to the newer material sure. um, than I would like it to. But sometimes we still get to hear this one. Sometimes they'll still play this one. If they're going to play one from the first album, it's going to be this one. And they'll play it towards the very, very, very end of the set list. Yeah, right. When people <laughs> Don't get need... into your car until you hear this song. Right, exactly. And then what I learned, too, is that this was Depeche Mode's first single to be released in the U.S. Um, in February of 1982. And wow. here's a little trivia. It was the only Depeche Mode video that Vince Clark ever appeared in. Huh. Yeah. Well, but... I, I watched the video just before the show. So, yeah, there he was. So good, right? They're all babies. Right. They're like Dave Gahan looks like he's literally 14 years old. Yeah. They look no, so well, young. they were. Yeah, they, they were. There. They were. <laughs> yeah. Right. And and the clothes were just amazing. So if you are going to go on that cruise, I would refer to that. <laughs> there might be some ideas there for you. Back to Human League, who, who actually will be on the cruise. So that's kind of cool. So amazing. some of these songs will will hear. It's it's one of these weird albums that has songs that have little infamous side stories about them they at this time were almost kind of a combination of spando ballet and abba and so on this record on dare all the singles were labeled either red or blue to help the buyers differentiate between whether it's more for spando ballet lovers or for abba lovers and so literally this next song was the first song to be designated red. This is Sound of the Crowd. Wow. 
it's it's kind of weird to have the whole red versus blue, but whatever, whatever works. I mean, <laughs> I never thought of. I, I would never have thought about Human League with the ABBA influence, but there it is. Yeah, I think disco's all throughout New Wave, honestly. Yeah, it, it's 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 disco fixed, right? <laughs> so <laughs> oh, poor disco. <laughs> but uh, well, just like I always thought, Pet Shop Boys was disco for smart people. So, to some degree, that's the same th- way with New Wave. I think um, interesting song. It was it was it was one of their. I think it was their first big hit, really, and. It's 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 not the deepest song lyrically. In fact, at some points, it's completely confusing. Um, make a shroud pulling combs through a backwash frame, or <laughs> sounds like a Duran Duran song. <laughs> yeah, it does. Stroke a pocket with a print of a laughing sound. So there you go. <laughs> and I'm hungry like the wolf. The wolf. Yeah, somewhere uh, Simon Le Bon's writing this stuff down. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, it's it's this is one of those ones that. When you see them live, they'll still play this. God love them. What's your first deeper cut? My deeper cut is a song called What's Your Name? And so here Depeche Mode exhibits the repetitiveness that I referred to yes. earlier. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's so funny. I, I'm really grateful that we I was able to, um, I, I want to say revisit this album, but honestly visit this album. It was really fun to listen to Speak and Spell for a while. And I'm, I think I'm going to keep it in rotation because I really, it's a good working album, actually, because it is kind of... Um, uh, well, poppy, I guess, and, and upbeat, but, um, but I love this song. It, it does not sound like Depeche Mode. I, in fact, I, when I first heard the opening notes, I thought it sounded like Yaz, a lot like Yaz. Yes. And um, yeah. So when I was listening to it, I was sort of tapping into like eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 13-year-old Jen. And that girl loves this song. <laughs> like, it's kind of a ridiculous, um, silly song, but I just, something about it just made me feel really happy and made me smile. Um, I will say, that in a 2005 interview, Martin Gore and uh, keyboardist Andy Fletcher, they both said that this was their least favorite Depeche Mode song of all time. <laughs> of all time? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the one I picked. <laughs> so I Jeez. think that's pretty funny. And I can see why, right? Because they went on to write much darker stuff, both in tone and lyrics and, and sure. even the music itself. So I get it. This is like anti-Depeche Mode in some ways. But um, but what's funny is I was thinking about it, right? Like, despite the lyrics, and there's also a song on the album called Go Boy Go. And I started thinking, like, is De- was Depe- anyone in Depeche Mode gay? Because I don't remember that being the case. Um, and so I just did a little digging, and, and Vince Clark also wasn't gay. Um, but what was interesting, what I came across was that the band Pansy Division, they covered this song, What's Your Name, in 1995. And they're mostly gay and very out and proud, and they, they picked their songs pretty strategically but um, but take a listen to the What's Your Name by Pansy Division, because sort of their hard rocking guitars and their drums actually, I think, makes the song really work. So maybe maybe synths weren't were the, the groundwork for this song. But I think Pansy Division got it right when they kind of rocked it up. My last deep cut for Dare, which, by the way, is an album that the band loves, too. And they I think they did a big anniversary tour of, a, a, a bit back maybe on the 25th anniversary where they came out and they played the whole album and 
those are always fun tours to see. I always like to catch those because some of these songs they probably never played the, the first time around, so they're having to learn them. But <laughs> I, I gave you a red song the first time. I'm going to give you a blue song this time. <laughs> uh, this is Open Your Heart. This this is my other, I, I, I hesitate to even call it a deep cut because it's it's seriously probably my favorite song on the album. And back in two thousand seven, I think it was there was the regeneration tour mm-hmm. that was going around the country, and it had God, it had almost everybody that's on the cruise this year. It had Human League, ABC, Belinda Carlisle, Flock of Seagulls, <laughs> and Naked Eyes, and. The Human League were the, the, I guess, the headliners per se. And this was the song where I was just like, oh my God, where's this band been? Like, why why didn't I embrace them when I was, you know, in in 1981? And then I remembered 13, 14 year old Steve was listening to ACDC and and Journey and Triumph and not, I hadn't, I hadn't. Not red or blue. (laughs) Yeah, black, very gray. And, so this was it. This was this was to me the the song that transitioned me over, and I I really enjoy this one. And smash smash smash. Why can't I say smash? Smash, smash. There's no there's no. It's not it's not a Yiddish song. Uh, smash hits magazine wrote about this song at the time. Quote: You have to give the band their due from being considered no hopers, which by the way, super cruel. Yeah, <laughs> they're now Virgin's biggest financial hope. This is a number one. It's got everything. Strong chorus, instant appeal, and dream boat topping. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. It's like whipped cream. Miracle yeah. whip. In, in getting ready for this episode, I watched Open Your Heart because I was like, I don't know if I'm familiar with this song. So I watched the original video from 1981. And then right afterwards, YouTube served me up another one. I think it might have been from the Regeneration Tour. It said 2006, so it was around the same time. Uh-huh. But I watched that one and it was them doing it again. And like, I loved it because in the first one, Philip had like, you know, asymmetrical hair and red lipstick. And the girls were like, I loved their clothes too. Um, yeah. But then cut to 2006 and he's completely bald looks fantastic like i don't know what he did with his skin but it looks really it was beautiful <laughs> and then the two dancers slash backup singers and it was just really cool to kind of like see them then and see them now and i think philip w- and the whole band probably was so appreciative of the fans there because at the end of that performance he was thanking them and he was like i shouldn't be here right now i should be driving a taxi my our fans are everything thank you thank you thank you he was so grateful and it was a really nice it was i don't know it was a nice moment yeah i interviewed him during that tour and he, he was just the nicest guy and the british musicians always give the best interviews they're they're always very gracious and very polite and and very humble and it's it's a pretty big difference between doing one of those interviews and then interviewing someone usually um who came up in the 80s in the in America but yeah, well, it's funny. I, I was listening. Feel like a total jerk. Feeling like to say that. <laughs> it's funny because I was listening to another podcast, 
and um the host was saying that like he he thinks it's unfair because all like british actors and personalities and stuff for some reason they're all so funny like they shouldn't be funny and they don't have to be funny but they're just funny and i think that maybe part of it too is the sort of a wit that is fun to play with yeah 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 that's why we love them so much that's why we still watch the crown which i was watching literally right before we started the podcast oh my goodness getting into the spirit uh, yeah i just i i just can't get enough <laughs> Anyways, uh, your turn. What's your final uh, uh, deep cut for Depeche Mode? So my last pick is was is kind of on the album. Uh, let me explain. So it's Dreaming of Me. this song was also on catching up which is how i learned about it along with just can't get enough and another song called new life but dreaming of me was their debut debut single and it was not commercially released in the us so dreaming of me did not originally appear on speak and spell in the uk version but it was on the original pressing in the us instead of the song i sometimes wish i was dead which is a very upbeat song by the way yes <laughs> ironically course. right um, so then on the 2006 re-release of Speak and Spell, Dreaming of Me was put at the end of the album as a bonus track with all the original U- UK track lists preceding it. Oh, Did nice. everybody get that? <laughs> yeah. That's, so I've, the, I've, I've diagrammed your sentence and it's complete gibberish. Wonderful. So some way or another, Dreaming of Me is on this album. And this was a kind of a fun story that I that I learned about. In 2011, at the 30 year anniversary of the song Dreaming of Me when it was first released in the UK, there was a flash mob action that tried to put the track back into the charts by downloading online. And it failed everywhere except for in Germany. <laughs> so in Germany, the um, the song entered the single charts singles chart for the first time at number 45. So good job, Germans. Yeah. <laughs> the first time anyone's ever said that. Um, it's it's funny. I was listening to these songs back to back, "Dreaming of Me" and and "What's Your Name." And I swear, if you if you if you bred them together, the the their offspring would be just can't get enough. I mean, there's that's, there's elements of both. So yeah, that's possible. I, Very possible. I feel like there's a lot of inbreeding in the songs in this album. <laughs> well, it is British. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's mean too. But you know what else would be mean if we didn't do it on this podcast? The Seggies. Uh, it's time for TV Party Tonight. Uh, we'll play a snippet of a theme song from a TV show in the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into a drawing for some swag. Usually it's a postal-friendly bottle opener, but I'm sure no one's gotten one of those recently because Brad is still here in New York, probably uh. 30 blocks from where I am right now. He's probably working today. It's Saturday morning. I guarantee you he's probably been there since four in the morning. And I guarantee you he's his head is ready to explode. Godspeed, Brad. <laughs> yeah. But when he gets back to L.A., which will be soon, um, the people who have won the Postal Friendly Bottle Openers will receive them. However, this was the one where we're going to randomly select five winners 
to get a copy of uh, Annie Annie Zaleski's new book uh, Duran Duran Rio. Which, you almost by the said way, Annie. Lee, sorry, you you almost said Annie Leibovitz, didn't you? I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read the book; it's amazing. Uh, and we talked to her. We've, she's been on the show twice now. She talked about the book on the first one, and then the second time she came on, talked about the Rolling Stone uh, list of 500 best songs of all time. So yeah, she's, she's fantastic. She is. She knows her stuff. She is. So pay attention. From episode 614, here was the mystery so- theme song. And if you threw a party, yep, that's Golden Girls. I mean, <laughs> I realize that everybody who listened to this episode got this one right. <laughs> I think people who didn't hear the episode got it right. Yeah. I, I got emails from people I've never heard from before. Uh, I'm still kind of amazed because, to be honest, I thought I'd picked a somewhat obscure part of the song. I was wrong. And I, I don't know anyone. I mean, I, Brad and I didn't watch this show I bet, I'm sure you did, right? I did because I was a kid with no license or, or <laughs> ability to go out anywhere. So this was on yeah. Saturday night. So what are you going to do? You're going to watch Bone Girls and, and Empty Nest. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, what I'm going to watch tonight when we get to the uh, What's Your Age's Obsession. That'll okay. be fun. But um, so I, I would I would read the list of everybody who submitted the name correctly, but we would be here for the rest of the day. Uh, what you really want to know is who actually want to copy the book. So the winners are... Jesse Elgato Grande Smith, Jacqueline from Seattle, Ron Houston, Joe in Athens, and Debbie H from Mission Viejo. So please send in your postal friendly address and I will try to get those books out to you soon. That might be a struggle for me too. I'm in New York right now. The books are in Florida. Um, I'm getting married in four weeks and time's running out. So this might be the last live show you hear before future wife becomes um just actual wife. wife yeah actual wife. we do need a nickname for her to use on the show after that happens so if anyone has a suggestion by all oh, means i have one i have an idea i'll share it with you in private oh, okay see if it, see if it um resonates <laughs> okay we'll do but anyone else have a suggestion send it in and whoever if anyone actually comes close to to, to getting it out we'll send you some swag we might even send you a shirt in the meantime no need to spin any wheels. We'll get right to the next challenge. Um, pay attention. See if you know this TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sct80s.com. <coughs> and tune in a few weeks to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Happy Halloween! 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 Happy Happy Halloween! Super Shabbat! Happy Happy Halloween! 
Emma. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. I know if Jen's here, she's going to want to play What's Your 80s Obsession? Jen, what's your 80s obsession? Oh, did you know? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I have some more 80s content for your ears. I have a couple of podcasts. Um, One was introduced to me by listener Robert L. Thank you for turning me on to this because it really made a drive much more pleasant. Um, It's the podcast. And I know there's been a lot of like um, movie stars and other celebrities um, doing podcasts. So Rob Lowe has one. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. I haven't heard it yet. It's pretty good. So it's called Literally with Rob Lowe. So the one episode that I have listened to, and I have a bunch more in the queue, is Rob Lowe's interview with Molly Ringwald. Wow. Yeah. It is. Were they ever in a movie together? I don't think they were in a movie together. I don't they? think they were. They certainly like they probably lived like six blocks away from each other or something. <laughs> yeah. But they, you know, their their paths have crossed. Oh, wait, actually, they say this in the in the podcast, and I do remember it. They were in Stephen King's The Stand. Oh, um, miniseries. That's right. That's yeah. right. I do remember that. Rob Lowe had a memorable role, but does he not? He's a mute. Is he? Exactly. Yeah, he's a yeah. mute. He's a mute. Um, so yeah, so it's a great interview. It's really fun. It's super personable. They um, obviously like have a have a familiarity and a comfort with each other. So I think it's a different kind of interview. It's got a like a real sort of we're just eavesdropping on their Zoom call quality, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's literally with Rob Lowe and his interview with Molly Ringwald. Check it out. And then the second one, I've, I always mention Hit Parade because I always love Hit Parade, <laughs> but it's a slate podcast. And this is an episode about Bruce Springsteen. So it's a two-parter unless you like pay money, but, um, but it's nice and long as a lot of these are, and it's called Tramps Like Us. And I've always been sort of peripherally a fan of Bruce Springsteen, um, you know, just sort of, I, I don't know. I've never been like a huge, I don't know what you call them, Bruce Believer, Springsteen Head. I don't know. When, um, <laughs> I don't think they have names. Yeah. That was back in the day when you just like liked a person's music. But um, yeah, so the the podcast is wonderful. It really digs in. It spends a lot of time on 80s Bruce, obviously. And it's so fascinating. It talks about how like he influenced a lot of things in the 80s, which I think was the most interesting part of it. So unlike a lot of podcasts, when I like listen to something about someone who has a memoir out, I'm like, now I don't have to read the memoir because I've listened to whatever, two hours of his life or her life. But now I'm like, want to read the memoir really bad because it was so fascinating. Well, Rob, Rob Lowe has at least two memoirs out, and the first one is amazing. I think it's called Stories I Tell My Friends. Yep. And I listen, when I was having to drive back and forth two hours a day to Disney to work there, I got through a lot of audiobooks. And the one that, the one that really stands out to me, two that stand out to me, Rob Lowe and then Bruce Springsteen. And I was never a Bruce Springsteen fan, but I'd heard that it was a good book, and so I started listening to it. And once you kind of get used to his voice, which, you know, it, it's the same way with every – author read memoir you it takes like that that one chapter to kind of get used to you know phil collins or billy idol <laughs> right sammy hagar but once you got there and he starts telling his by the end of the book i was cr- sobbing in my car which not unusual coming home from <laughs> disney but <laughs> but it was because of the book not <laughs> not because of the job yeah exactly um I, oddly enough for the first time ever i have two obsessions no, I'm so sorry. First, you can only have one. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, sometimes I have none. That's real. I feel it bad when I have to make it up. Um, both TV related because 
I find lately that the best way to keep my focus on what I'm doing because I'm working from home is to have something playing in the background that I'm semi-familiar with, but I don't really need to pay full attention to. Um, oddly enough, because you know how you go sometimes when you're on Amazon Prime and you kind of go through the rabbit hole of viewers who like this also watch this. Right. And then the viewers of this also watch this. And the next thing you know, you're like, you've drilled down 10 movies and you're seeing some movie you didn't know existed. Well, the other day... I was drilling down, and it said, you should watch this, Mussolini, The Untold Story. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it was a 1985 miniseries on, on network television. I think it was five or six episodes long. And it had George C. Scott as Mussolini, which you can buy that. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. as one of his sons. Gab- Gabriel Byrne as his other son. And then Raul Julia as his son-in-law and then, and literally like five other big names that I just didn't have time to remember or write down. <laughs> and it's just, you're like, I can't, be- you're seeing these people like Robert Downey Jr. And probably, you know, early eighties. It's just, was it good? It was oddly sympathetic towards someone who was so murderous and, and evil. Yeah. <laughs> the untold story. <laughs> it, it, it tried to make him out to be like, not such a complete prick, but, I, I don't I don't know I don't I don't know how it got on television. It it just or why all these names agreed to it. It's based on the secret diaries that his son in law kept during that period of time, hmm. which he was trying to use to bargain for his life at the end of the war and it didn't quite work out for him. But um it's there on Amazon Prime for free if you if you if you want to go and like just check it out. If nothing else, just to see these faces so many years ago. Um, and then the other one, my other obsession, we just discovered it last night. Future Wife and I were, we, like I said, we were playing with the Roku and we downloaded the app for Pluto TV. And we were amazed that a lot of 80s TV shows were on there, including every episode of Too Close for Comfort. <gasps> and we we squealed and watched as many episodes as we could until we got tired of the endless commercials for Amazon Go. Oh, there's <laughs> commercials. Uh yeah, but you know, at, at, the, at the time there would normally be commercials, but still, it's. I wish they included the actual commercials that would have yes. aired on the air yes. date. That'd <laughs> be amazing. Yeah, I'd, I'd pay a lot of money for that, that actually. Yeah. No, but it was it was fun. It was it was interesting to see, the you know that gang, and it was it was pretty. You know, you, sometimes that that kind of comedy doesn't hold up so well decades later, but it it did. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I used to watch, I don't know what the deal was, but I used to watch Too Close for Comfort on like Sunday afternoons. Like that's when the syndication played in my town. I don't know if that was like all over the country or just in Las Vegas, but they would play it on Sundays. And I remember thinking I must've been like around eight thinking how weird that this family, the dad has white hair, the mom has red hair, and then the daughters have black and blonde hair. And I was just yeah. <laughs> so confused by that. Right. It was before like, biology, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, I took biology class. I understand the concept of uh, of DNA. And I'm telling you right now, that's not possible. Uh, although I guess it might, may have been. As I sit here nerding out, thinking about the possibilities. Um, anyway, we hope you enjoyed our salute to October of 1981. Hard to believe it's 40 years ago. I try not, I try not to think about that aspect of it i just try to enjoy the music Uh, but if you if like you you just can't get enough uh, remember at least for a few more weeks until i go on hiatus (laughs) we'll be here hopelessly stuck in the 80s stuck in 
the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.